0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning. I want to first of all thank Derek for his mention of me and my and his prayer this morning and it's certainly my prayer that the things that I present to you will be beneficial to you and that they'll be in accordance with God's Word I can guarantee you that the verses that we read this morning will be the truth and it's my prayer that my commentary upon these verses will be in accordance with that truth I want to also echo on Kalen's comments I thought they were very good this morning you know being rich is a state of mind we might not have a dime to our name but it. As long as we're Christians, we're the richest people in the world. And as Christians, what we're going to talk about this morning is relationships. I've titled the study this morning, Stepping in Someone Else's Shoes. Because as Christians, one of the most important responsibilities we have are our relationships with others. That's both the people outside, everyone we come in contact with, and especially those in the household of faith. Especially those that are sitting in this room this morning. We should have good relationships with others. Would Jesus ever prefer, would he ever tell us that he would prefer that we have a bad relationship with someone? Especially those that are in this room this morning. Would that be preferential for him? And if we have some kind of disagreement with our our brothers and sisters in Christ... If we have a grief with them or some kind of beef with them, would we be able to make an argument or give an excuse where Jesus would say, you know, you've got a good point there, continue on, I'm glad you have a bad relationship with them. He would never say that. It is always in our best interest to have a good relationship with others. Our relationships with others, they in a way they define us because people see how we treat them and how we treat others and that's the reputation we have by the way we treat other people you know we may have good hearts or we may be strong in the scriptures and have a lot of knowledge and have good intentions but if we don't treat other people right you know what good is that knowledge you know if people see us treat others bad if we treat them bad does that really bring glory to god does it draw people in because people gravitate towards people that relate to them and that's what we're going to talk about this morning stepping in someone else's shoes it's a tool that whereby we can try to you know we're never going to know 100 percent what somebody else is going through it's just not going to happen but that doesn't mean we can't try try to understand what this person is going through try to see things from their perspective it's a tool that we can use you know, we, we gravitate towards people that relate to us. You know, if we think, hmm, that guy, I, he relates to me, I think I can trust him. And the opposite is true. If you don't think that somebody cares about you, you're probably not going to put a lot of trust in them. And as Christians, we need others to trust us because our goal is to bring people into this body. You know, I'm not going to stand here and pretend that every single person that we meet in this world can be our best friend. I'm not going to pretend, even in this this room this morning, that every single person in here can be your best friend. That's, That's unrealistic. But what is realistic is that we can have a good relationship, that we can show respect, that we can have compassion, that we can love every single person, not only in this room, but everybody we come into contact with, we can show love to them. And in fact, not only can we do it, but we'll find in the scripture we have to do it. That's what God expects of us. And again, one thing that helps us in this effort is to to step into somebody else's shoes. So this morning, our first scripture is Hebrews 4 and 15, which says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know, it's easy for us to trust Jesus because... He understands us. We don't have a Savior that's far off. We don't have a Savior that's out of touch, that doesn't know what we're going through. We don't have a Savior that doesn't understand us. I mean, He he endured the worst of humanity. How many of us in this room have ever had someone truly call for us to be crucified? I mean, no matter what we're going through, as bad as it may be, we can never say that Jesus doesn't understand us because he does. And that's what makes our Savior so great. He came to this earth. We don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We have exactly that. He was tempted in all points like as we are, but yet without sin. And it seems, you know, as Christians, what are we? We carry that title, Christian, We're a follower of Jesus Christ, so it would make sense that we try to operate like Jesus Christ. And obviously, we can't know somebody's heart and mind like Jesus can, but that doesn't mean that we can't try, try to gain an understanding of of how someone else is feeling, what somebody else is going through. When people find out the truth about Christ, that He has a sincere love for everyone, when people first hear this verse and they come to the realization Christ does care about me. I do have someone that I can turn to. They're naturally drawn to him. And again, we should be trying to do that same thing, to let people know that we truly care about them because we're trying to draw people in, trying to show them the love of Christ. So we need to look at ourselves. Are we really following Christ, that example that Christ has about caring for others? Hebrews 2 and verse 18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And now this word succor, it's not a word that probably any of us use. It just means t- to, to help out. He is able to help them that are tempted. And so the, f- the first question might be, Okay, if Jesus is able to help those that are tempted, who is tempted? Everyone is tempted. No one is exempt from being tempted. So right there, Jesus is able to help anybody and everybody. There is not one person on the planet that can honestly say, Jesus Christ does not care about me. That is, it's untrue. It's a bogus statement. Jesus cares about everyone. But can somebody make that claim about us? How many people can make that claim? Can they point at you and say, you don't care about me? Hopefully, ideally nobody, but hopefully it's very few people can really make that claim about us. And we know that many people out there, you know, there's a lot of irrational people. No matter what we do, people are not going to listen to us, especially when we t- start talking about Scripture. We can be assured that that's going to happen. People will go the other way. They'll turn against us. But we never want to give someone a valid excuse where they can say that person doesn't care about me. You know, one common way if you start talking with scripture about someone, one way they'll shut you down is you don't understand me. And an example might be a teenager. You don't understand what I'm going through. Maybe it's a poor man telling a rich man, you don't understand me. You, don't, you haven't had to work a day in your life. You don't know what I'm going through. You know, that mentality is is so common to shut people out. But again, we have to be careful that people can't really use that as an excuse that we're, we're not trying to understand them. Because we don't want our poor treatment of others to overshadow the fact that there is somebody, Jesus Christ, that does truly care about them. Because if we treat others bad and we carry that title Christian, that may overshadow the true message that people see that jesus christ there is a savior that cares about them we have to be so very careful on how we treat others we are responsible for sharing jesus christ with others romans chapter 12 and 18 if it be possible as much as lieth in you live peaceably with all men in other words do everything humanly possible to have peace with other people. But what if people, what if everybody followed those instructions? What if everybody put every ounce of energy in finding peace with other people? You know, it would be a a great world that we live in. What we, we have a natural tendency though to let pride get in the way. We want to be, we're self, so often self-centered, like we get in an argument with somebody. We don't want to lose. We don't want to lose an argument. So oftentimes we throw out, we throw out the possibility of peace because we want to win that argument. We want to come out victorious. And so very often we sacrifice the war or the spiritual war to win that short little battle. And what a disservice we do to ourselves and to the church. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, are we doing everything possible? Probably not. But are we really doing anything possible to keep the peace? You know, how much are we really making an effort to bring about peace? Because so often it's really, if we're honest with ourselves, it's my way or the highway. I, I'm right, you're wrong. And that's, that's not a pathway to peace and we can be sympathetic to others, we can make peace without compromising the truth because in any of this we're going over this morning, we're never talking about compromising the word of God or sinning or you know twisting the scriptures just for peace. We're, we're not talking about that in any way. There's a way where, whereby we can achieve peace and we can treat others with love without compromising the truth. And if we just put ourselves in someone else's shoes, We may be more compassionate towards them and that goes for people outside the church for fellow christians family members co-workers and so forth this could be the husband you know husbands in this room this morning do we ever consider what our wives go through when we come home from work do we ever think about what did she go through throughout the day flip side wives Wives, are you, at, you know, maybe asking yourselves, what did he go through this day? Parents, do we put ourselves in our kids' shoes? You know, what is that kid going through right now? Do we ever do that? Do we ever consider each other? In the church, do we consider our fellow Christians, the leaders of the church? Do we, do we make the, it a blessing for those leaders of the church to have that role, to lead the church? Or do we make it just this miserable... A role for to shepherd over the flock. You know, trying to understand things from someone else's perspective, it can go such a long way. First Peter three verses eight and nine. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, called, that, sh- that ye should inherit a blessing. If all the focus in my life is on me, well, it's hard to have focus on you. It's hard to be compassionate for others if you're self-centered. To live in harmony with others, we need to be courteous and have compassion for other people. Even if someone has been evil or railed upon us, we're instructed to return blessing, and that's what we're called to do. And that goes right along with doing everything possible to keep the peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. And one way to be a peacemaker is to follow these verses. If someone is railing on us, don't return the favor. We don't extinguish a fire by pouring gasoline on it. You know, if any of us have had a fire, you know, we've heard about this very close to us you know a fire can become very dangerous if you put gasoline on it and just unpredictable and it blows up. That's kind of what we do when we return reeling for reeling because it doesn't create peace and you don't know how bad that's going to get. We hear about these incidents every day, some quite ridiculous, some little argument and it's nearly every day some little dispute turns in and somebody murders somebody and this is way too common in our world. It's because rather than following this, you know, we put it right back on somebody. We, we just pour gasoline on that fire. Back to the husband and wife example, let's say our spouse has had an awful day and, and we get home and they just, they just let us have it. You know, how do we respond to that? Do we automatically get defensive and just put it right back on them? You know, what response should we render because whether we like it or not, sometimes people just need to vent and maybe we become that punching bag. And I'm not talking about abuse or anything like that, but just sometimes just let them get them, let it get them let them get it out and maybe just be that punching bag because by returning railing for railing, the situation's not going to get better. We can guarantee, we what we do when When we return uh, railing for railing or evil for evil, we had an opportunity for peace. You know, if we step into a situation where someone is railing on us or doing evil, we have an opportunity there to be a peacemaker. But when we put it right back on them, we're no longer the peacemaker. We just threw out a golden opportunity for peace. Now, would peace have been possible? Maybe not but at least we would have had the opportunity and we could have been the one for the peace. But we don't want to be just you know, letting, just returning that favor rail on them if they've railed on us. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Return blessing and at least open the door for peace. By returning blessing, we inherit a blessing and that's not only from God. A lot of times we can create the peace. We know we're going to look good in God's eyes when we do what's right. But we may very well bring about peace in our relationship with others by treating them with compassion because butting heads with somebody that's never going to build them up. We don't know what someone might be going through, and it's not pitiful, it's not courteous, it's not loving, it's not compassionate to treat anyone poorly. Are we ever can we look to any scripture in the Bible and say that? gives me a license to treat someone poorly i think we'll find quite the opposite is true no matter how bad somebody's treating us we never have the excuse to treat someone poorly how would we feel if the shoe were on the other foot let's try to think about what this person might be going through galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 brethren if a man Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, which I would think this morning would be us, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Notice the words here, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That sounds pretty important. In other words, we should not elevate ourselves above someone else. Because it's it's so very easy to get a big head. If everything's going right in our lives, it's so easy to, to elevate ourselves above other people and look down upon others. Because we think everything is going so well for us that we might get this attitude like, I've got it all Figured out if he would just do what I'm doing, you know, he would be in a better situation. Or, uh, sister so-and-so, why if she just can't seem to get it together? You know, we a lot of times we may get in that. When things are going well for us, we tend to look down upon other people. Or at least it's easy to do that. But we, when we do that, we deceive ourselves. Our arrogance deceives us. Because at some point, you know, we all have highs and lows in life. At some point, we're going to be in that situation. Then what? Are we going to want others to treat us like we treated them? We're told to bear one another's burdens. And that simply means to help each other out. Are we just going to stand idly by and watch a brother be crushed by the weights, the burdens that he has? The example here is someone overtaken in a fault, somebody that that weight is just so much they can't get out of that, they need help. If there ever is an easy time to look down upon someone, it's when they're in that state, when they are in a helpless state, when we feel like they've messed up. But looking down on someone does not restore them in the spirit of meekness. And most of all, looking down on others does not fulfill the law of Christ. That's what's at stake on how we treat each other. That's what's at stake with our relationships. It's fulfilling the law of Christ. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now we may think to ourselves, because I am a Christian, I do such and such. Like how might we finish that phrase or uh, any Christian should have this characteristic. But how would we finish this? Because I'm a Christian, I, you know, I could ask everybody in this room and maybe get separate answers. And those all may be valid points. We may have a strong opinion on something that every Christian should be doing this. And again those may be valid points. But what does the source of Christianity, Jesus Christ, tells us what the proof is? I mean we we carry the name Christian, we can't argue with this. He tells us himself, he says, "By this shall all men, by this one thing everybody knows that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another." Pretty I mean, that's what our Savior tells us. That's the proof of being a Christian. You know, we can define that proof however we might see appropriate, but Jesus Christ says that's the proof. So as we interact with one another, our relationships with one another, and this goes for the youngest of us to the old, male, female, everybody here today needs to understand this. That's the proof of being a Christian, love for one another. So if you're thinking of arguing with one another before you fire off that text message or make this argument, remember what Jesus says. People know the proof that you are my disciple is if you have love one to another. So are we really doing that in our lives? And back to our topic, trying to understand one another helps us achieve that. It goes such a long way in following this command because we all have different struggles, unique struggles, and it just goes so far to try to step into their shoes and try to understand what they're going through. You know, when people think about love or Christians think about love, we think probably about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which the whole chapter goes over love. It speaks of the importance of love and the necessity of love. You can do great things, you can do wonderful things, but without love, there's no profit in it. Love is the driver for a true believer in Jesus Christ. And love for one another and love for Christ, that's really what holds the church together. As I thought about these things, a word that came to mind is empathy. And empathy is not a word that's in the Bible. At least not in the King James Version. I could not, at least I couldn't find the word empathy. It's not in there. However, the idea is all over the the scripture. Empathy is defined as the ability to understand and share the feelings of one another. Or share the feelings of another. So having empathy is like putting yourself in someone else's shoes. To try to understand where they're coming from. And the Apostle Paul was someone that understood empathy. Here's just a couple of examples that, that he gives us. In his message to, to the Romans, in Romans 12 and 15, he says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 through 27, he tells us, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. So these verses go right along, empathy goes right along with the instructions we read a moment ago to carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Because Christianity is not a solo endeavor. We know that we're told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but only as a member of the body of Christ. We're told here, you are the body. The church is, is its members, members in particular. The priority, the world, if you hear advertisements for church, a lot of them are really self-centered. Is, this is a church that can do whatever for you. This is a place where you'll fit in. And so there's so much of the quote Christian world that, that thinks that, or asks the question, what can this church do for me? When really the question for us is, what can I do for the church? As a member of the body, what can I do for this body? You know, the church is already, what's been done has been done. Jesus paid the price for our sins and we have we've been cleansed of sins what can we do now for the church each of us is blessed with unique talents how do we use those talents love gives us the desire to go out and use those talents to share in each other's triumphs and burdens matthew chapter 22 and verse 39 these are very simple principles that jesus tells us he says in matthew 22 and 39 Love your neighbor as yourself. And in Matthew 7 and 12, Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. These are such simple principles. They're so simple that you know, they're often referred to as the golden rule people, the world will not even twist these things because they're so easy. They're basic principles of life. Treat others like you want to be treated. We don't see these misquoted very much. But what we do is we often misquote these things by the way we act. What we do is we often make them conditional. We often put an if statement. You notice Christ just leaves it, love your neighbors as yourself, period. What we often do is love your neighbors as yourself if... They agree with you if they treat you right, if they attend services with you, if they do this and so forth. We often make that a conditional statement. Not so with Jesus. He very plainly tells us there's no conditions of where you should or should not love someone. You should, we should never treat someone bad. It's so easy to understand, but so often we fail in making it happen. Love your neighbor as yourself. We should be doing that. or We should have a good relationship with everyone. Jesus tells us also in Matthew 5 and 44 to love our enemies. Whether an enemy, whether it's a friend, maybe it's somebody that doesn't care for us. Maybe it's somebody that despises us. It's still helpful to try to... St- Put ourselves in their shoes. See where they're coming from. Why do they despise us so much? I mean, it can't hurt to try to gain that understanding. As stated in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. Someone may not agree with us. They may not like us. Someone may hate our guts. But if we operate, if we treat them with love, we will never fail God. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1 tells us that love edifies, which love builds up. You're never going to destroy someone spiritually by practicing love. Love edifies. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. You know, how many people, or how often do we hear a message where they're trying to, let's say they're trying to sell this product. If you get this, you're going to have the chance for all this wealth. And people follow that, and they want to follow that program. How many people would follow that if that was presented like, buy this program so your neighbor can get rich? You know, it's probably not going to happen because, again, we want the gain. But how much love does it take for somebody where that's the way we operate? You know, it's not about me. I want others to be wealthy. You know, that's a hard thing to do when we really get honest with ourselves. It takes a genuine care for others to seek their wealth or their well-being. When we should seek to build others up, but it's, again, it's hard to do. If someone looks at us and thinks, they don't care about me. Well, it's hard to really build them up when they don't think that you care about them. We often hear about politicians being out of touch, especially in the presidential elections. You know, we see the the two candidates and the one candidate talks about the other candidate. This is the worst person that has ever walked the face of the planet. We see this every election cycle. This person is so out of touch with you, the voter. Uh, They haven't worked a day in their life. She's never driven a car in the last 30 years. They're up in Washington. They don't know what's going on with the average American. We hear that every election cycle. Why do we hear that? Because it works. It works. People are drawn to people that relate to them. And if you get a candidate that is a special type candidate, you know, you often have just these two political parties and usually people vote down those party lines. But if that one candidate is so relatable to others, you may get that crossover. Now, we're not campaigning politically, but we're certainly campaigning for the gospel. And maybe we can be that special candidate for the gospel Candidate for their spirituality where maybe they trust us enough where they cross that aisle. Where they've never considered the Bible, considered church before. And maybe you relate to them enough where now they're drawn to at least hear your message. You know, we're, we, we want to relate, we want to follow people that we feel, feel our pain, that relate to us. I feel like they're looking out for me. Trying to gain an understanding of others can help us achieve that. And there was someone who understood this perfectly, and that was the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 22. The Apostle Paul says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant to all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. The Apostle Paul put himself in the shoes of those that he was looking... I mean, he was looking to bring everybody to the church, obviously. So he would put himself in the, that group's shoes, that, those people's shoes, to try to relate to them, to bring them to the church. And as we know, he did not become a sinner to do that. He did not go out and perform wicked deeds with the wicked so he could bring... To understand them so he could help, you know, make them like where they wanna hear the gospel. He didn't do that. You know, it wouldn't make sense for us to do that either. It would be absurd if maybe we know somebody that has a problem with theft, if we think, well, I'm gonna go steal something so that I can really see what they go through when that goes through their mind. I mean that we know that's that's ridiculous. We would not do that. But that doesn't mean that we can't take Look, take a look at that thief and think, why is he doing this? You know, what are what is his upbringing? You know, what is his his life like that drives him to do that? And what could I possibly say to somebody in that lifestyle that could maybe, you know, prick their heart or spark some interest in the gospel? You know, it never hurts to try to gain that understanding. It always hurts to commit the sin. You know, we're not again, we're not talking about sinning, so we understand sinners. We're trying to gain a perspective so that we can make a compelling message to them of the truth. And the Apostle Paul tells us that we can do that. He became all these things so that he might gain, and he he says some. He, He admits not everybody is going to hear that message, but he does all these things. He goes all in on this so that he can bring some to the church. The key ingredient, though, to make that effort is love. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. To walk in love, we have to follow that golden rule to treat others like we want to be treated. And unfortunately, we live in a world that's cruel. It's just the nature of things. We see people mistreating others. You know, but how do we treat others? Take somebody like a janitor, for example. Just something that gets to me when I'm out in public and you walk up and just people just trash, whether it's in a restaurant or a bathroom, they just trash the place with this attitude like it's somebody else's job to clean up that mess. But the, the lowly janitor is that person, that person's every bit as important as us in God's eyes. You know, how do we look on somebody like that? Do we even give them the time of day, like what they go through every day? They have a family too, but you see these people that just get mistreated all the time like that without a second thought. There's just not a lot of love that goes on. What about, like in this time of year, there's this frenzy to make, to, to buy and to have your packages arrive before Christmas Eve. You know, the UPS, FedEx, these UPS drivers, have you ever talked to one of those guys? A few years ago, one of those guys came into our office at work, and, and we started talking to him, and I could not believe the amount of packages he said he had to get delivered before he Before he got off that night, it was like thousands. I don't want to misquote it, but I I didn't even believe it. He said, yeah, I've got to deliver this many before I get off tonight. And I think he was surprised because our front desk was very thankful to him. And you could tell that's not something he was used to getting. Because those people are working from sunup to sundown during this time that's supposed to be the most wonderful time of year. But... Guarantee you that package doesn't get there before close of business Christmas Eve. There's going to be some cursing going on. But the 99% or whatever percentage that get there on time, do they get a lot of thanks for that? Typically not. But again, they have a family too. You know, they've got a life. How are we treating those people or anybody that we come into contact with? Are we thankful for their service? Restaurant workers, store clerks, or another... Example if you've ever worked in that business you probably can relate But oftentimes and see I'm guilty of this myself because I get impatient You know I get in the store. I want to get out of there and oftentimes we get short with that poor store clerk You you know and we don't think about what is that person going through? Maybe they've got some kind of hardship in their life that day. Maybe they're not feeling well Maybe it's their first day on the job. Maybe they're having some kind of difficulty at home. Maybe they've got a serious addiction or abusive relationship. Maybe they don't have enough money to even pay their bills. There's a lot of maybes, but maybe they're just, they would just appreciate a thank you or a kind word. And what an opportunity we have as we go out into our, uh, to our society What an opportunity we have to be that person that it doesn't take much that just offers a kind word because I'm guilty of it myself treating that person the wrong way because you go up in a drive-thru and maybe they get your order wrong. That's very frustrating. But maybe it's that poor kid's first day on the job. Maybe it's that that lady just having trouble with that job. What if that was our kid? What if that was our wife in that drive-thru and this guy pulls up and he cusses her out or just is rude to her. We wouldn't appreciate that very much if that was our wife or our our child. But we as Christians in all of this area, in Crawford County, Sebastian County, this whole region, I don't know how many people live here. Who has the obligation to be, to set the standard for good treatment of others? It's those of us in this room. We should, have the monopoly on that are we treating people right though because we carry that title Christian and if we pull up on that drive through and we treat somebody bad that may be the only time that they ever interact with us and we just blew that opportunity so we have to be careful about how we treat others treat and try to put ourselves in, in their shoes because we all have bad days and we all get low and that person may be going through something bad but we carry the title of christian wherever we go and we have to be a representative of the church and understand that wherever we go philippians 2 verses 3 through 5 let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's consider Jesus Christ. As we go through our relationships inside this, uh, this room this morning, are we really doing everything without strife or vain glory? Are we esteeming others better than, our, than ourselves? Are we really doing that? Are we really looking upon others' benefits or just considering our own selfish benefits? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We should have the mind of Christ. He was the example of seeking the benefits of others. He put himself into our shoes. As we open up this morning, we have a Savior that can... He understands us. He saw the worst of the worst. He's in touch with us. He knows what we go through. We read of Jesus looking upon the crowds and being moved with compassion. We're told that He groaned in the Spirit and wept at Lazarus' death. Although He is the Son of God, remember, He's not far off. He is a Savior that's close to us. He didn't try... You notice when Jesus, if you look at His example, when He was here on earth, He never demanded... You know, he didn't look at somebody, you know, bow down and worship me. He did quite the opposite. He was down at points washing people's feet. And the disciples, in a way, didn't understand why he was doing that. Because he he loved people. He didn't want to even put himself above others. He even requested forgiveness for the people, the very people that were putting him to death. He requested that they be forgiven of that. So if we have a dispute with someone out there, If we have a disagreement with someone here this morning, ask a few questions. Has this person ever spit on me? Has this person ever tortured me, humiliated me in in the public? Has this person ever demanded to the public officials where it could really happen? Did they ever go to the police or whatever? "I, I want him crucified. I mean, have we ever had that happen to us? Has this person that we may have some little minor disagreement with, have they ever nailed you to pieces of wood? I mean, even if they did, we have the example of Jesus, the very people that were driving those nails, nailing them to pieces of wood, He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's almost just hard to even grasp that level of love and forgiveness for others. And as we really consider that, that should be sobering to us that you know, we need to give up these petty grievances that we may have. Put ourselves in other people's shoes because certainly Christ did that to us. When we put ourselves into Jesus shoes, think about what he went through. I think we'll see if we really honestly think about that, we'll see that we fall so very short and how we love one another, and the compassion we have for others. Considering others is something that Christ did, and we, again, we carry that title Christian, and something we must do as well. In closing, I want to read two verses. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, which says, For ye know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I think it's interesting how Kalen made those remarks this morning, and I'm going to close with, with that verse there. That yet for your sakes, for our sakes Jesus became poor, that through his poverty we might be rich. Through his sufferings we are made the richest people on the planet by being forgiven of our sins and having a life eternal to look forward to and then Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 I'll close with where we started for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin ideally everyone in this room should be doing what we read this morning doing everything humanly possible to keep peace with one another And as we also read, we should all be of one mind, having compassion for one another. That's where I'll close my thoughts this morning. I hope these things have been a benefit to you. And at this time, we offer an invitation. And this invitation is twofold. First of all, if you've never obeyed the gospel, if you've never been baptized, we're told in the scriptures, the apostle Peter gives a sermon. Very compelling sermon. Talks about how Jesus was, and he talks about how Jesus was put to death for their sins, and the people are pricked in their hearts, they're troubled, they don't know what to do. And they ask, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the response that Peter gives is very clear, and it's the same response that is valid to this day. When they say, What shall we do? When they when you understand what when you understand what Christ did for you, what shall I do? He says, Repent which means turn away from your sins and be baptized, and that washes away those sins. Be baptized for the remission of sins, and you will be given the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you have not taken that step this morning, and you, and you truly understand that step, what are you waiting on? Because we have water right here. You know, the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch, when he was preached the gospel, he said, well, why can't I be baptized? And the response was, your only, the only hindrance is yourself. And this morning, we're in that same scenario. If you understand baptism, we urge you, we beg for you, take that step. Make the confession that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Have your sins, have that burden of sin lifted away. Be cleansed of those sins. We have water right behind this board. We, nothing would make us happier or God happier than for you to obey the gospel this morning. If you don't understand baptism, there's many of us here this morning that would, would be very pleased to help you understand what that means. And the invitation is also, if you've already taken that step, and maybe the burdens right now that you face are just they're too hard for you to bear and you need help, this invitation is for you as well. If you be of either case, we ask you to come forward while we stand and sing.